This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In this talk, Reggie describes how traditional Buddhist teachings on karma relate to the process of liberation that unfolds in somatic meditation. The wisdom of the body, he says, leads us back to the natural state. This excerpt is taken from Meditating with the Body, a five-month training program that includes two residential retreats and a 12-unit at-home curriculum. To find out about the upcoming Meditating with the Body program, please visit dharmaocean.org. In order to fully understand the purpose and the process of the breath work with the body, we need to understand the principle of karma with some sophistication. We've already looked at karma as the second noble truth. The set of principles, or if you like, structures and processes by which we create suffering for ourselves and others. According to Buddhism, there are two types of karma. There's the karma of result which describes the arising of experiences and situations in the inner and the outer world. These are called the karma of result because they arise based on causes and conditions that we have established in previous lifetimes or at earlier times in the present life. And the other kind of karma, or the other dimension of karma, is called the karma of cause. And this points to the way in which, whenever we act in a self-serving or ego-directed fashion, whenever we do not meet our life directly, but seek to slide off to the side or manipulate or ignore, as we have discussed, we create more karma toward the future that is later going to ripen and arise as the karma of result. What do these have to do with body work? According to the yoga traditions of Tibetan Buddhism, the basis of the second noble truth, the cause of our suffering, is that we approach our experience with what's called thirst, tanha in Pali, which is one of the ancient languages of Buddhism used in Theravada Buddhism, or trishna in Sanskrit. 
thirst. By thirsting in relation to our experience, we create karma. What is this thirst? It is really thirst toward our concept of ourselves. It is a kind of thirst that is ingrown, self-absorbed, and solipsistic. We thirst, we yearn to be something definite and continuous. We have a concept of ourselves that we have built up and we thirst to perpetuate and aggrandize and defend and augment that idea we have of ourselves, that self that we think we are. So our mind, our ego mind, is very one-pointed in its desire, and it accepts and rejects experience in accordance with the idea that we have of ourselves that we're trying to defend and maintain. However, our body is a much more neutral experiencer. When things arise for us, they are known initially by the body. The body knows in all kinds of ways. Sometimes people think the body is defined only by the five senses, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and the body. Those certainly are gateways for the experience of the body. But the body knows in many other ways The body has a kind of intuitive sense of things. It knows directly and in an unmediated, unfiltered way. There are now machines, computers, sensitive electromagnetic sensors that can measure the response of the body to Anything that comes within its arena, there are now many, many healers who use one form or another of body sensors. If they're very gifted, they can even use their own intuition in their own hands. If we bring an apple in front of a person who is allergic to apples, even if that person has no idea of their allergy, the body will tense up in a very subtle manner. On a more gross level, if someone is talking to us and we're listening and we're wanting to believe them, our body reads the situation in a very objective an unsentimental fashion and perhaps knows they're lying. And that night we may have a dream where that person is exposed as a liar. And when we think back, we notice 
that in fact we did have some kind of subliminal sense of that person's non-truth, but we didn't acknowledge it. We could go through thousands and millions and billions of phenomena in the world of all kinds, and when the body meets any of those phenomena, there's a kind of direct experience that arises in the body. Whether or not we are consciously aware, whether or not we actually admit that knowledge into our consciousness. And we may find out later what the body knows through dreams, through a sudden flash of insight, through becoming ill, through becoming tense. In fact, you could say that it's only because the body knows first that we can react with an attitude of passion, aggression, or ignorance toward the experience that has arisen in the body. When we talked about the arising of the ego in the first place, I mentioned that the natural state, the unborn mind, the unborn awareness, is actually the ultimate essence of what our body is. And I also mentioned that within that open, empty dharmakaya, there's all kinds of energy that circulates. And that energy is the energy of experience. When we strip down all the way to the primordial body, that is what our awareness is like, that is what our experience is like. And the ego mind is constantly reacting to that openness and energy with all kinds of reactions to try to domesticate that primordial experience in such a way that it does not compromise our ego. So the body knows in a direct and unobstructed manner, and the ego is always trying to diminish and filter and block out and ignore that knowledge. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org.
Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion. <laughs>